and now's the best time ever to actually take a stand. And I think it starts with very simple things. We go into our African-American brothers and sisters and go, how can I serve you through this time? You know, what can I do for you? Specifically, as an individual, what can I do from you? What uh, and how can I link arms with you? But as well, if there are peaceful protests, if there are phone calls that you can make to your politicians and to your city leaders and to other business owners who say, hey, we're not going to support you if you continue to take these stands and do these things and say these things. Look, we have the ability to push significant change through the system. And we can. We just got to understand that we are privileged and we need to use that privilege in a way that is um, powerful. This is Caesar Walker, the cool, calm, collected one. And I'm Ronnie Gatry, the emotional one. And we are the Tipping Point Podcast, your source for sophisticated ignorance, intellectual stupidity, and well-articulated nonsense. Walker! We finna cook! Can you come to our game? This is the tipping point. I think this is the tipping point. <laughs> Peace and blessings, beloveds. Uh, we want to shout out our listeners who've been with us for the longest of time. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. We also want to acknowledge those of you who may be listening for the very first time. Uh, please do us a favor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us on whatever streaming platform you're streaming this podcast from. Also, uh, we're not Uber drivers, but we will always love a five-star review. So please show us love there. Um, You can also check us out on our social media platforms as well as our YouTube page. That is on a website that we personally own. Gatry, the website is? TheTippingPoint.com. That's T-H-A, TippingPoint.com. And and Walker, if I could, um, I want to send a brief but quick shout out to our um, podcast friends in Huntsville, Alabama, Suburban Pod. Uh, Juice, I know what you're up? listening. Thank you so much for leaving that review on Apple for us, man. That meant so much to us. Um, but I did not want to kick this off until I um, till I shouted out an incredible podcast in Huntsville. So, um now I'm, I'm good thank you guys i mean uh, one of these days we're going to do something together yes one of these days it's coming i'm waiting on gatry to set it up okay <laughs> let me pull you out from out under the bus now now that i've thrown you under there gotcha, gotcha. Uh, episode 80 and it's a special episode gatry because we have a special guest we have a special guest indeed caesar walker um this gentleman that um, if, if, if you can see us, if I've got this on YouTube by now, um, you can see that there's another person here. Uh, this person is near and dear to me. Um, this person, if you are in the Birmingham area or surrounding areas, because the, the news of this is kind of, not kind of, but really just made its waves. Um, you, you, I'm sure you've seen Wheelhouse Salon downtown, um, and you've seen the incredible mural that was put on Wheelhouse recently of George Floyd. Well, um, I am I'm blessed and honored to have um, had the had the privilege of uh, exercising with this man for the past year or two. Um, And I'll tell you this, man, before I before I really got to know this guy, um, I hope hope he doesn't take offense to this. But uh, I was a little standoffish at first. You know, I was like, okay, 
Um, I don't have anything against this guy, but I would just I would just let him stay over there, and I would do my thing over here. You stand off him? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, right. Why? Right. Is the question. Why? <laughs> well, you know, you know, Johnny was Johnny was, you know, kind of quiet or whatever. And it and, and yeah. I, I say that I say that take that take that however you want to because I am like the bullhorn coming in at the morning at in, in at what what yes. ten till five and I'm just yelling, I'm hollering, I'm doing everything. So everybody else is really quiet, but Johnny was particularly quiet. Oh gotcha. <laughs> But no, uh, we have the owner of Wheelhouse Salon here with us, uh, Johnny Grimes. Let me let's see, give it up for Johnny. <laughs> Good to have you, brother. So, um, so Walker, just just to give you and our listeners a little bit of context, um, man, I, I'm just gonna get straight to it. Johnny, in, in light of all of the civil unrest that we've had recently, uh, particularly uh, involving the execution of George Floyd, uh, has been super vocal, um, not only in person, but even on social media to the point to where um, he's had people he's connected with on Facebook really question his motives um, in terms of standing up for what's right. And yeah. so, Walker, I was positioned here recently to read a long, a long post with tons of comments that Johnny was involved in. And I just I could just I remember vividly feeling my heart change and just just being emotionally moved by this man who was resilient and was not going to be denied and was not going to have his voice shut down and who stood for what is right. And um, in in my emotional uh, capacity, I guess, if you will, uh, it was put on my heart to go to Johnny and I, I Facebook messaged him. And I just I just told him, I said, Johnny, look, man, you you are absolutely an amazing individual. I love what you're doing. You are down for the cause. You get it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I told him, I said, Johnny, look, I know you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on. But selfishly, I want to spend time with you. I want to know your story. I want to get to know you better because you you are just one of the gems walking with us uh, on wow. a daily basis. So um, we haven't got a chance to sit down yet, but uh, <laughs> I did talk to him about coming on the podcast, which is um, a piece of why he's here now. So, uh, Johnny, I'm going to go ahead and um, go ahead and ask you the first question, man. T tell 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 Walker and our listeners who you are. Yeah. Well, like you said, I'm Johnny Grimes. I'm the owner of Wheelhouse Salon. Actually, my wife and I uh, own Wheelhouse Salons. We have four. Uh, two are in the Birmingham area, so Homewood and, and downtown Birmingham. And then we have one in Huntsville, and then we have one in Austin, Texas. So, yeah, man, it's been, a, it's been quite the journey. Um, but more than that, more than being a business owner, I'm a husband, and I'm a father of three kids. Uh, I got a 12-year-old son. His name's River an eight-year-old daughter named Penelope and a five-year-old daughter named Sailor. So a uh, husband and father first, and then uh, an entrepreneur and businessman second. And uh, now I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here with you, share our story. Um, there's, uh, it's been quite the week, so. Are you a Birmingham native? Are you originally I from am. Birmingham? I was, yeah, I was born and raised just south of Birmingham and in, in the best Macaulay area. Okay. And so, yeah, man, I've I was born and raised here. Love Birmingham. Um, yeah, so it's been it's uh, we tried to get out a couple of times. We had job opportunities to move out, but we were like, no, man, this is where we're, we're this is where we're gonna 
going to stay for Dope. the foreseeable future. Man. Dope. So, so Johnny, I, I'm, I'm going to just lean into this now, man. I, I want to know what it, what is it, what is about you uh, visually being a white male in Alabama that um that has compelled you and led you to really be so uh adamant about standing up for what's right i, w- I want to hear the origins of that yeah man i mean that's a that's a great question man and it's it's complex in in some ways and not so complex in other ways when i am a d man of faith and so um because of my faith i I feel deeply called to stand up for those who are oppressed and for injustice and uh, for all of God's children. And so um, that that is kind of the first thing that propels me towards standing up for what is right and speaking up and not cowering down, but do it in a way that I feel like Jesus would, which is firm, so firm, but also uh, understanding. And so I try my best to do that. But as well, um, my wife and I, this may sound, it may sound strange to the audience, but my wife and I, uh, when we, we've, we've been together for like a hundred years. So, um, but we met when we were teenagers and we actually met because we were into like punk rock and like hardcore music. And, and uh, in the eighties and nineties, um, there was this, this movement that was especially through punk rock, which is kind of not Nazi punk. And so we adamantly stood against that stuff and kind of our tribe, you know, was the kids that were, had anti-racist patches on our back and, and anti-swastika patches all over us. And we just kind of, that was who we are, you know, because we were in the part of this subculture called punk rock, but as well, you know, in the middle of that, we, we became believers and we were converted and, and so, you know, now we approach this issue really from, from many different angles. And so we've always been passionate about it as well. You know, early on, my wife and I just knew that this was going to be one of our calling and, and something that we uh, spoke up for until the day that we died. And so we were going to use our platform, whether it be, you know, our business, our family, music, whatever, our interests, we were going to do that and try to do as much good through those different platforms as we can. Nice. So, so pretty much is, let me ask you this. Was, yeah. was this one of your, the first incidents that you've been really vocal or have you been previously vocal about similar incidents? Um, uh, you know, yeah. Trayvon, Trayvon uh, Martin, he comes to mind. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike Brown, the other situations, like, was there a buildup to this moment or have you been vocal throughout is just yeah. Gatry just so happened to notice you this time. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've been vocal for, for quite some time and, and gotcha. can share specific situations that have happened in my life where my wife and I were forced to take a stand for what we felt was right. And it cost us a lot. And, right. um, and so, um, so yeah, you know, we've been vocal about it, not near as vocal as we probably should be, but you know, we, we just, uh, every time something would come up and we felt the need to stand up, we did, uh, in a previous life, um, I actually was involved in student ministry and was at a church that was in a transitioning neighborhood, if you know what I mean there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, which was deeply frustrating, not because it was transitioning, but by the way the church was engaging the community around them and so we we took a firm stand against you know 
racism and uh, it came to a head where it was just like, either you're going to do what we're asking you to do or you're going to need to leave. And then I was like, well, we're going to need to leave because this isn't, um, this isn't what we feel is right. And this isn't the Jesus in which we serve and know and love. And so we had to part ways there, unfortunately. And so, and then it come our, our family too. I hesitate to talk about it, but people know as long as they just, get on Facebook, but our fam, we have a, um, a biracial family as well. Our, our middle daughter is, uh, from Ethiopia and, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a journey that we struggled through. Not, we, we knew we wanted to do it, but we do come from a culture that's deeply divided, you know, race and, and those types of things. And so we knew we were going to get pushed back from, from family members and, and, and folks. And so, but we still push forward because we, we believed we were being called to do so. And, um, and we've, we've experienced some things, um, you know, with our daughter at school, um, some, some pretty tragic comments that were being made that were deeply cutting. And we had to deal with those things directly, not only with the, the, the headmaster of the school, but also, uh, some of the parents that were involved and some of them were, deeply sorrowful that those things had happened and then some were just super dismissive and i was just like how do you not understand that what your daughter said to my daughter is not only terrible but um it's a serious issue that we need to talk about and that you may need to talk to your family and your daughter about it not because we want her to get in trouble but because we look this is this is the day in which we live in. And so for to say those things is terrible. And so, yeah, we've been dealing with that for quite some time, but we, um, I don't know if the word happily is, is the right word, but we absolutely do it without hesitation. No, I guess were you, I'm pretty sure you anticipated, you know, when you made, you and your wife made the decision to speak out against, uh, the injustices that that and, and racial oppression and and white supremacy and the whole nine. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you and your wife were well prepared for the criticism. Were you actually surprised at where the criticism was coming from? No, I mean I saw it. I, we knew that we were going to get hit. Really, every angle. If we're talking specifically about what's happened this past week, we've yeah. been uh, the. It's been overwhelmingly supportive and positive. So I do want to say that. Like 90% of it has been amazing. I could tell you guys the stories that and the, that have been shared with me and the conversations that I've had right outside of this sidewalk, right in front of this mural, has um, has been amazing. Uh, and 10 times a day I'm out there, I'm crying with somebody, I'm hugging them, we're talking about the challenges that we face and how that we can lock arms together and continue to make progress in our society. But no, I mean, we've been getting hitting from every direction. I, I don't know how else to say that, you know, but right. from every direction, whether it be far left, far right, you know, I mean, from every direction, it's just like we're getting hit. And, uh, and I'm, I'm a guy that like, you know, I, I want to please everybody and I don't want anybody to believe the lies. And so, you know, I, I, that weighs on my shoulders really hard. And my wife's often having to say, Hey, Johnny, you, this individual doesn't know you, they don't know me, they don't know our motives. And so don't let those words cut so deeply. They're the ones that are wrong. But right. all these other, these hundreds of other people that have emphatically supported you and the stand that you're taking, look, that's, those are the words that need to resonate in your mind and in your heart, 
not these other ones. And Johnny, that that couldn't be more true. Just because going going back to uh, my reference point of that Facebook post, one yeah. of many, mind you. I just I just saw and witnessed like the love that you still have for people that went so against yeah. everything you were promoting, and I was just like, I, I don't I don't know if I could have I don't know if I could have put that put that same energy out the way you did. I mean, I, I would have either just had to withdraw totally or I would yeah. have come unglued. And, and and it's crazy because I'm a huge people pleaser, but dude, in that capacity, Johnny, oh my goodness. That's 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 when I knew I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I need to know this guy because <laughs> for, if for no other reason, I need to learn how to handle conflict like that. <laughs> well, well that's a, yeah, it's a good point because what I have realized, I'm 40 years old and, uh, and have I've been dedicated to this specific cause for over 20 years. What I have realized is that there's a time to shout and look, there's a time to protest and that time is now. Absolutely. I think there's no better time than now for all of us to stand up and demand change. Like no matter what at all costs, we're not going to stop until we see systemic change in our society. But I also realized, too, that um, in many cases, yelling isn't necessarily the most effective means in trying to help somebody understand your side of the argument, and especially on Facebook and Instagram and social media. It's just like, okay, look, I understand um, where you're coming from, but however, what I would want you to do is kind of see it from this perspective. So... Um, I try my best to show them love and also give them truth unless, unless it's just overly blatantly racist or evil or just, um, uh, sorry, I had a pop up, but, um, overly racist or just evil. Um, and so, and then I'll just go head on. I was like, absolutely not. This is wrong. And you're not going to spew that type of hatred on my profile. So you can take a hike. But yeah, for the most part, man, I want to be loving. I want to be encouraging because to be honest with you though, if I'm getting it, if, if I'm, if I'm receiving pushback and racism from my people, you know, Caucasian white people, I can understand where they're coming from because I did grow up. I grew up in an overly racist community and the thought of me having an, uh, an Ethiopian daughter or having friends who are a different color than me was, uh, completely foreign and was absolutely not tolerated. And so um, I understand where they're coming from and I want to speak to them in such a way that hopefully wins them over a little bit. What is it about now? Um, and you, you mentioned something like now is the time and it seems like a lot of people have gotten this message. Yep. What is it about now to where the light has come on for a lot of people in America to actually speak out, many of them for the first time against racism. What do, what do you think could be the, the catalyst or the tipping point, if you will, for why yeah. people are doing that today? Well, I mean, I do see a culture um, and a generation that says, hey, not my generation, uh, maybe, maybe my father and mother's generation, but not mine, and I will not tolerate it, which has been really cool. And, uh, but also there has been a groundswell for so many years and so many different situations that everybody's like, okay, that's terrible. Why are we allowing this to happen? And so it's just, it's putting kettling on the fire. And so right. finally now we've got this 
bonfire and and then and now fire has just been set to it and it's time it's time to move it's time to protest it's time to push forward it's time to vote out all these people who are not standing up for equal rights who are not standing up for equality and uh, and, and systemic change in our society it's time to vote these people out it's time to push the i mean push everything forward because i do think that now we have a generation that's coming up that will not tolerate it and it's been it's really cool and it's really awesome to be a part of it sounds weird to say but i'm kind of the older generation of this movement now but it is cool to see the hard work that a lot of great men and women have put in um since the you know the civil rights movement really start having steam once again and say, okay, now let's join arms, let's lock arms. And so it's amazing to see these protests, whether it be in D.C. or Birmingham or wherever, and see how many uh, just different color people that are in there and saying, no, absolutely not, we want change. And whether it be white or black, you know, it's just, it's amazing. So, yeah, I think we're at the tipping point because we have a generation that's coming up that simply will not tolerate it. Thank you, Johnny. Um, question. I, I'm, we're we're going to be intentional, obviously, about the promotion of this particular episode, just because of of who you are and everything you've done. So, um, my my hope is that a lot of people cross culturally listen to this. So, with this question, um, I want to ask if you if you could advise any white person who may be a little apprehensive about having the conversation with um, maybe a close black friend or, or a black neighbor. Um, yeah. What, what advice would you give them in, in facilitating or starting that conversation? I would say um, the vast majority of the time these do be spent listening and um, you're, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for me. Uh, and it's very difficult for others um, like me to understand the frustration and the anger that that uh, our African-American brothers and sisters are are um, are feeling because we haven't personally experienced it. And we got to understand that it's like we haven't experienced this, so we don't understand the rage. However, let's sit down and listen and then hopefully we can identify and then figure out where we can play our part. And like, and then, so I think that's important. It's just sitting down and listening and just listening and listening. We don't have to have the answers. Mm -hmm. We don't have to have the answers, but we have to listen and we have to come to some type. Okay. I understand. And I sympathize with where you're at. And I know that we're not going to make progress unless we all collectively lock arms and say, okay, now we're moving forward. So I think that's probably the best place to start is just simply listening and not acting like we have all the answers because we don't. And, and and Walker, I'm. I'll, I'll get to your question, but I just want to. I want to add to that. Thank you for for adding that, Johnny. Um, I just. I can speak from my own perspective. I've had. I've had a lot of white people come contact me and just just want to have the conversation, but not know where to start. So as mm-hmm. a as a black male, I want to emphasize that I understand that it is uncomfortable for you. I, I get that. So if anyone out there doesn't think the black community understands that this is a, a an uncomfortable conversation. We get it. Um, I, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of everyone, but I know me. I am ready and willing with ears open and hearts open to have a productive conversation. Because um, yeah. as, I've, as I've said to Walker on uh, prior uh, prior recordings, 
Uh, I, I believe kind of to your point, it's it all starts with a conversation, you know, and and, you know, it can be conversing, maybe even conversing over a meal. I believe in the power of two people breaking bread together, you know, two oh, or yeah. more, I should say. So um, I, I really wanted to, to add that to um, at the end of your answer. And I, I appreciate you answering that. Awesome. I want to add to that, too. I think and, and you can you can back me up, Johnny, on this. When you go to your black friends and the conversation comes up, I think one of the things that I have perceived is that when the conversation does happen, it could end up with the white person feeling as though they're on trial. Yeah. And oftentimes it's, it's like they're ready to be sentenced. And when we talk about the conversation of, of privilege, it's, it's really, and I mentioned this in previous recordings, with any kind of privilege, male privilege, racial privilege, there's always a responsibility component with such privilege. Yeah. And when you understand the double standards that coincides with that privilege mm -hmm. that other people may not be privy to, it's your responsibility to speak out against those things. Oh man, that's great. And and so when 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 you know when it comes to our white brothers and sisters wanting to have the conversation. Yeah, a lot of us are angry, but a lot of that anger has been brewing for years. Yeah. But you're not on trial. Right. Um, you don't have to feel guilty for it. And white privilege is not for you to feel guilty. It's for you to understand the responsibility that comes with such privilege. Yeah. And so, you know, I just wanted to, 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 to make that point. And what is it? What is it when we talk about responsibility? What do you think, Johnny, is that the first steps, the person who's kind of stepping out there wanting to do something about it, they've been silent this whole time. Yeah. Once they've had the conversation, uh, we know it shouldn't end there, but what are the next steps, you, you know, based on your experience that a person needs to take with this newly found information that they have about their privilege, about race, systemic racism, about what black people go through? Yeah, that's a great question as well. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's very personal because you know, we've experienced so much different stuff over the past week. And so we're kind of navigating this and going, okay, you know, what should we do? And, 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 you know, we have to be calculated because we want to be, uh, we want to be successful, you know, and we want to be able to get that message out there and do it in a way that's palatable to those who may not understand why we're taking these stands. But I think the first step is to realize, yeah, there's a great deal of privilege when it comes to being a white in America. And then there's a great deal of privilege when it comes to being a white male in America. And so um, understanding that is like, look, it's maybe you as an individual didn't do anything to, to, I guess, to perpetuate the problem. However, you said it best that we have a responsibility now to understand, okay, it is what it is. Now, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to sit back and be silent and just participate and like, and just, you know, eat up all this privilege that I have and not, I don't know, not reciprocate it to someone else or like, no, now we have a time. And, and so, and, and now's the best time ever to actually take a stand. And I think it starts with very simple things. We go into a, our African-American brothers and sisters and go, how can I serve you through this time? You know, what can I do for you? Specifically as an individual, what can I do from you? What, uh, and how can I link arms with you? But as well, if there are peaceful protests, if there are phone calls that you can make to your politicians and to your city leaders and to other business owners who say, hey, we're not gonna support you if you continue to take these stands and do these things and say these things. 
look, we have the ability to push significant change through the system. And we can, we just got to understand that we are privileged and we need to use that privilege in a way that is uh, powerful. And the way we do that was with our pocketbooks, with our voices, but also through servanthood. And so um, serving our African-American brothers and sisters is the first step that we want to take. But then as well, we say not, not on our watch, not anymore. And one of the things that have led me to, to the stance that I'm taking at this very moment is not because my windows were busted out and my computers were stolen. It's because of what we've experienced as a family and some of the things that my daughter's experienced. Mm. And as she gets older, she's eight years old. As she gets older, I was like, no, there ain't no way. There's no way somebody's going to treat my daughter this way. There's no way that she's going to grow up in a system that systematically oppresses her because of the color of her skin. And so what am I going to do as a white man to ensure that these things don't happen? And so I'm going to speak up with my voice. I'm going to speak up with my feet. I'm going to march as long and as hard as I can possibly can. But I'm also going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to serve with my hands. I'm going to serve my African-American brothers and sisters. What can I do to help you? And it's not for selfish gain. It's uh, we all are in this together. And the only way that we're going to make progress is the society's linking arms. Wow. Awesome. Um, Johnny, you, and you kind of touched on it, but, um, and Walker, this is my today show moment. So, so give me this, please. (laughs) I don't have a choice now. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny, um, I want you to walk us through the, the process, not, not necessarily functional, but, um, the process of deciding and acting upon having that mural put up. Like, I, I want to hear about what happened behind the scenes that led to this. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just start Sunday night. Um, I was I was asleep and been asleep for about an hour. My phone just kept buzzing. And I'm like, I thought I was dreaming. I was like, what's going on? And finally, I realized that I had about 100 missed calls. And uh, actually, one of my employees, and he was a buddy of mine, was calling, so I answered it really quickly, and he said, hey, man, are you watching the news? I said, no. He's like, they're riding in Birmingham, and they're in our back parking lot. I said, oh, no. So instead of cutting the news on, I actually picked my phone up and pulled up our security cameras. And as soon as I picked our, I pulled the security cameras up, I watched this massive man throw a huge garbage can through our front window. Mm. And uh, that weighs about 200 pounds, by the way. The fact that he could pick it up and throw it through that, I was like, hey, kudos to you, man. Uh, but, Luke um, Cage? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm telling you, it was, I was like, man, that is a man. And uh, no, but, uh, and then, you know, sadly, we, we watched him loot the place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we also watched the SWAT team come in and clear the building. And so once they did that, we felt safe enough to go down and secure the place. Um, it was still crazy when we got downtown. I mean, we watched a group of individuals set the California Fashion Mall, the building kind of catty corner from us on fire and watch that thing burn. Um, it, was, it was a sad, sad night. But as I was sitting on that sidewalk, um, securing my building and hoping that nobody came back. Um, I was waiting on some friends to bring plywood and then we were waiting on Home Depot to open so that we can get more. Man, I just started thinking. I was just like, you know what? It's sad because what's going to fill the news tomorrow is some bad apples doing bad things and taking advantage of something that doesn't need to be hijacked. And so I was like, what can we do 
to not make the narrative or the central part of this story my busted windows and my looted salon. And I said, we're just not going to do that. That's not what I'm going to talk about. And so um, I know a guy I actually grew up with an individual who is uh, probably one of the most talented graffiti artists uh, in the in the city, uh, if not in the southeast. And so um, I sent word to him. I was like, hey, we want to do something that we think is going to um, – help change the narrative where that's going to be impactful and that's going to um, be a conversational piece. Would you come be a part of that? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I said, look, here are the two elements that I want to be represented. Um, I want a mural of George Floyd and I want be strong. So, so you take it and do what you want with it. And, uh, and the reason why I wanted those two things there is because I believe that George Floyd represents a movement. And, uh, and I wanted the conversation to be about this movement. And, um, and then be strong, of course, because I love my city and I believe my city is strong and I believe that we'll get through it. And so uh, we wanted something that also depicted a couple of things. One, um, the rioting and looting does not represent our city. It is not, uh, does not represent our city. It does not represent the African-American community, period. And it doesn't represent the movement. This is what represents the movement. You know, these are the things that represent the movement. Computers and glass and all that stuff can be replaced. Sadly, the life of George Floyd cannot. And so that's what we need to be talking about. We don't need to be talking about looting. We need to be talking about systemic change in our society. So that's why we wanted to do it. And man, it has been, it's been a crazy ride for the past five days. Get, you got anything, man? I mean, Johnny is, 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 he dropped the mic. I'm I'm about to say, I'm literally about to drop my mic on his behalf. (laughs) I have a mic, so I can't drop it. Right. So, man, Johnny, no, I good, just man, I, I think this has been this has been great. If Gatry got anything else, I can just you know, I gotta put my emotional sauce on it. I just I just have to share just the great feeling and the sense of pride I have in knowing you and seeing you. high school friends, um, you know, distant friends, close friends, even some family members down there to take pictures in front in front of wheelhouse, man, and just you know me being able to say hold on now you know that that's great and i'm not i'm not shying away from the movement but i know that guy (laughs) like i hugged that guy on thursday he didn't want to hug no i'm joking you did John. (laughs) is there anything is there anything i know you mentioned uh being of service to to the black community um and i mentioned i mentioned something last episode that I echoed a sentiment that a lot of black people feel like we're, we're, we're so tired of having to explain ourselves and right. recruit allies. Um, but at the same time, when, when allies present themselves, uh, we celebrate them. Yeah. Uh, we, we let them know that, Hey, that's what we've been wanting. So I'm not sure whatever it is. It means is what, what can we do to be of service to you to keep what you got going on? Is, is there anything that, that you need from, from the black community at this moment? Good or question. Good question. What, what's, what's, what, what's up? 
That's a great question, man. Um, I would just say just your continued support and, and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish because we're doing it alongside of you and that we will absolutely take as much uh, advice and direction from you guys as we possibly can. And, uh, but no, I mean, again, these things can be replaced. We're hoping that, you know, insurance covers everything. And if it doesn't, we're going to be fine anyway. Those things are going to be replaced. It's just locking the arms and continue to push the movement forward is what's most important to us. And so the most important thing you can do is keep talking and keep walking and keep preaching. Like we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop until we see change. So I think that's the most important thing. And if I could tell you one quick story, well, actually just a couple of quick stories to kind of, I guess, put the nail in the coffin. Uh, it's about 1.30 in the morning, Monday morning, uh, glass everywhere. Um, this uh, young, tall, handsome, well-built African-American man pulls up. Uh, he works for Siemens, and which is our fire uh, company, the, the fire alarm and the sprinkler systems. And he gets out and he says, hey, I'm here to, to reset the fire alarm cut it off for you. So I took him down in the basement of this old building and, uh, and I said, Hey man, I'm out. It stinks down here and it's too creepy. I'll meet you upstairs. And, uh, and so he comes in, I'm standing in the salon by myself and he walks in, I turn around and he's got all these tears in his eyes. And I'm like, I mean, you okay? And he goes, um, I'm, <laughs> I got emotional too, but he, he says, Hey man, on behalf of my community, I'm sorry. And I started crying as well. And I said, look, man, this doesn't represent your this doesn't represent your community, doesn't represent the movement, but thank you. That means a lot to me and on behalf of my, my community as well. I'm sorry. So let's keep this going. Let's lock arms. Let's, let's, let's not let this define the movement. Let's not let this define any one culture and let's create change. And man, I've had, I'm not joking, since Monday morning, I've had probably 40 of those conversations. I mean, it has been absolutely overwhelming. But I had one conversation that struck me. There's one individual, I'm not going to give his name, but he's being blamed for a lot of things. Um, and, uh, and, and some of it's justified and most of it's not. So if you get what I'm saying. All right. This individual said some things that probably shouldn't have been said and then a lot of bad things happened. I'm sitting in my office right where I'm sitting and I hear an individual come in the salon and says, hey, is Johnny Grimes here? So I pop my head out of the office and he pulls his mask down and says, Hey man, do you know who I am? I said, yeah, I absolutely do. And I'll be honest with you. I, I was a little frustrated with this individual as well. And, uh, and he said, Hey, I came by, I saw your video. And as soon as it was done, I drove down here cause I wanted to do two things. I wanted to one, give you a thousand dollars. And I was just like, dude, you don't have to give us anything. Don't absolutely. He said, no, I am to help you rebuild. I'm going to, I'm going to um, give you a thousand bucks, but then also to help you see my side of the story. And so he shared some things with me. He shared some videos with me that, Hey, this isn't being portrayed. None of this is being talked about. This is what actually happens. He said, look, I messed up. I, I, I said some things that probably shouldn't have been said, but I was angry, but I did not do these things that are being portrayed in the news. And I said, look, man, thank you. Thank you for coming by and saying you're sorry first. Thank you for coming by and helping me get a, better understanding of what was happening that night and get a little bit more context to your remarks. It, it goes a long way. So there's been, there's been, um, there's been brothers coming by asking for forgiveness. There's been, uh, you know, people coming by and saying, we love you and we support you and we don't even know you. 
Um, the other day I walked out of my office and there was a really large uh, disabled veteran man standing in my in, in, in the lobby and I was like, oh no, what have I done? I've done said something and that dude, he's it. He starts crying and telling me how much he loves and respects me and, and all this stuff. So man, that's the things that I'm focusing on and, and, and those are the conversations that I'm focusing on. But it's also, it's also about forgiveness and it's also about moving forward. And so all those things are taking place on the sidewalk of Third Avenue North in Birmingham, Alabama, in front of a mural. And so that's that's the thing. We didn't want we didn't want the narrative to be broken stuff, and we wanted to create a conversation piece. And it's amazing how art, how art that has meaning and that is powerful, can create all kinds of dialogue. And I'm telling you, man, there I can pull this thing up. I can pull our security cameras up at at 12 at night, and there are people just gathered around. And, uh, and it's amazing. So yeah, it's been crazy. It's been fun. Uh, it's been very emotional, but together I, I strongly believe that we can see change in our lifetime. Goodness gracious, Johnny. Man. Johnny, give us, give us your information, man. People, cause people are going to reach out to you. They want to know more about you. Give, give us, give us your, your, your information. Yeah. Well, um, uh, our website's wheelhousesalon.com. Uh, I mean, you can send me an email and I will absolutely answer it as johnnygrimes2 at gmail.com. And, uh, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So johnnygrimes2 uh, on both of those platforms. Would look, I, mean, I look forward to connecting with folks and talking and learning and listening, but also figuring out, hey, what are the next steps? What are the next five steps we can take together as a community? So thank you guys for the opportunity. Thank you so much, man, for sharing your story, sharing your heart. Um, it resonates very, very well with us. And uh, we just appreciate your time, bro. Johnny, thank you so much for the time, dude. Seriously, it. man. It's awesome. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. And we are back um, again. We want to shout out Johnny Grimes for uh, being our guest um, on the show. Uh, 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 uh. Our first Caucasian guest and not the okay. last. I don't know where that has value, but I had to say that. I'm glad you got that out. Is there anything else you need to get out? I'm good right now. Okay. Um, we mentioned and one of the things that Johnny Grimes actually mentioned, man, was was reaching out to to black people to just learn and 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 see what you can do to be of service also man to aid you in that we want to help you uh get more information to understand the concept of white privilege systemic racism um on youtube you can google blue eye brown eye experiment by jane elliott she talks about how this experiment basically helps break down how racism has worked in america um, also, too, you may have been seeing them on social media. You may have been seeing them in text messages, but ActTV has uh, a few videos on that explains that explains systemic racism. So uh, we may actually post it on our page as well. So be on the lookout for that. Those are two resources that you can uh, rely on to kind of better educate yourself to understand what is this uh, white privilege? What is this thing that people are talking about so often? It almost sounds like a buzzword now. Like what? But what is it really? 
So, um, yeah, man. With that, get you ready to get Doherty? Let's get it, Doherty Walker. <laughs> We're here. Let's talk about some stuff. What you got, man? I'm gonna let you go first. I'm gonna let you intro it and and get get us kicked off. Walker, I got a problem with people like you. I got a problem with your kind. Okay. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Right on the heels of an inspirational conversation. Here right, I come. Here we go. Back, back. <laughs> wait, no. wait, wait. We were sophisticated for about 40 minutes, and now it's the ignorance part. Here goes the ignorance. Back to the ignorance. What you got? Uh, Walker, you know, people like you go crazy over Michael Jordan, the last dance documentary. You know, for you you devoted your time Sunday after Sunday for two plus people hours. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get this, let me get this out. Um, I just want to make clarity. Yes, so, so yes. People like me. You, you, you devoted time and, you know, you were you were so moved by what you saw, as you should be. It was great. But when it ended, you acted like you had no love for Lance. OK, Lance Armstrong had a had a 30 for 30 doc that that went that you probably don't even know happened. So um, I know you didn't watch it. And that's part of my problem. But my, my question is, discuss or trash. Are you watching Be Water, Bruce Lee tonight? Um, yes, actually. Okay. I plan on, I actually forgot about the Lance Armstrong um, 30 for 30. <laughs> That's my whole point, Walker. <laughs> I actually forgot about, I actually forgot about it. I remember, I remember the, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know what, you know what I do want to see? What's that? I want to see the one, um, I think it's on Quibi, the, the, the documentary they did on Donald Sterling and that year that the Clippers, were hit hard and wanted to protest. I hate that it's on Quibi because dude. you can't stream it like on your fire sticks or, or whatnot, on smart TVs or whatnot. Dude. Whoa. I want to see that so bad. I just don't want to watch it. On, I mean, I guess I could mirror it on my TV, but it's just yeah. not the same. I want that real effect. When you watch it, we're going to chop up on it. I'm going to just leave it. You that. already watched it? Yes. Um, anyway, yeah, so my, my, my discussion trash is if you, I mean, if you want to get into Bruce Lee and I didn't expect you to discuss this, but, um, I know Bruce Lee's like, I know that they're, they're expecting ESPN is expecting like huge turnout for this, for this documentary. A lot of viewers, cause Bruce Lee's impacts is just, has just transcended culture to the umpteenth degree. You know, I, I, I read this article about, um, how Wu-Tang was inspired uh, one of their one of their uh, main inspirations was the art that that Bruce Lee left us during his time here. So um, Shaolin, shout out to Shaolin. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to be tuned in. But anyway, that's all I had. Um, what you got? <clears throat> um, we have an update on the George Floyd situation. Okay, um, we didn't discuss it. it at the time. Discuss. Okay. okay. Um, the charges have been upgraded for uh Derek Chauvin and he is now they've been upgraded from third degree to second degree right um also the other officers are being charged with aiding and abetting second degree murder and aiding and abetting second degree manslaughter so um uh, they're finally charged. Are you happy with the second degree murder charge for I, Derek Chauvin? I actually am Walker because um, I, you know, I've been reading and I, I've been conferring with a, uh, a legal expert friend of mine. And uh, he was telling me first degree is not what you want here. Cause there's a, there's a good chance the, the pen and I'm not going to say this right, but the way that the way that uh, penalty is shaped 
the way the judge is going to see it, it's not going to leave an impactful and indi not indictment, but an impactful sentencing for him. So second degree is actually good in us really moving the needle towards justice in this situation. The word intent comes to mind or, or premeditation, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, it's hard. It's going to be difficult to prove that this was a premeditated uh, murder. Um, one can argue that based on how these two knew each other. <laughs> Um, but you, it's going to be difficult to prove that in a court of law. So second degree is the highest charge that you can get and actually prove. So I'm cool with that. Gotcha. And I'm glad that I'm glad that the other three have been charged. So, uh, uh, you know, this is just, again, we're in the, we're in the infant stages of this. Um, they have to be found guilty True. and justice has to be served. Yes. So uh, we've got a long way to go, but I like, I like the steps that we're taking towards justice in this case. I second that. Um, next topic, Walker, discuss your trash. NBA is officially coming back. NBA bike. It is bike. You, you excited about it? No, I'm asking. We going to talk about it. We're going to trash it. Uh, we're gonna talk about this. Okay. See, for sure. see, Walker, that's a difference NBA between you bike. and I. I actually, I'm, I'm cordial, I'm respectful, and I ask you, Walker, do you want to discuss your trash? You just, you just come out and just talking whatever you got to talk about. You don't You're even ask me. Wasting time. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, NBA says uh, on my birthday, July 31st, we're coming back. Uh, 22 teams. There's gonna be like a eight game play in, kind of like they do with one game in the NCAA tournament. And then from that, they'll have the traditional, I think it's 16 team format. So um, mm -hmm. some guys are going to be sent packing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how they set this up because I know, um, we, you know, we're, we're missing that March Madness element of upset in the Cinderella stories. I'm predicting some of that in this NBA uh, fractioned or fractured postseason or whatever. So um, but you know what's uh, oh, yeah, I got to give more details. I think Orlando Wide World of Sports is going to be the venue. Um, they're working with CDC to like, you know, uh, have these living quarters set up for the players that are all just, you know, clean to the umpteenth degree. And um, the biggest, I guess the biggest part of this is, Walker, uh, you and I are going to be able to go. Um, we, we're going to have to watch it from our TV sets. So uh, I'm excited about it, man. Uh, we get something. We get some kind of sport. And um, if I don't get a birthday present, at least I'll get some slam dunk action, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, dude, I was just starting to have NBA withdrawal. Like, mm -hmm. just this past week, I was like, man, I could use a playoff game right about now. And uh, the news came like maybe a day or so late, and I was like, they must have heard me. So <laughs> we we knew they had been working on this for a while. So it was, I was just, you know, the thing that everyone wanted to know, because it, it really sounded like they were going to make an attempt to come back. Yeah. But the question is how they were going to come back. So it's interesting to see the details emerge. Uh, about how they intend to execute this. And so I hope it works out well. I hope everyone stays safe. And uh, most of all, man, I hope we have a good product. True. We'll be watching. All right. What you got, bro? Um, Roger Goodell. Mm. Roger Goodell. I smell something. Yeah. He says he, he says he's sorry. He says that we says we missed he's the NFL missed it. Discuss or trash. Let's discuss because I am disgusted with this and I'm going to tell you why after you open. Um, basically, um, a few NFL players, uh, 
pretty much, I think, notable Patrick Mahomes. I think they did like a video or something really calling out the NFL to kind of speak out in terms of their negligence towards players who's been speaking out on tragedies such as the George Floyd incident. And not too long after that, Roger Goodell issued a statement saying that uh, the NFL was wrong and that they should have listened uh, to players uh, who have protested. And they stand with guys and encourage players to peacefully protest. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. Um, You are disgusted. How exactly? My my disgust is is very detail-oriented. I'm going to start by that. But, um, Walker, I don't know if you watched it or heard it. Some of it. Okay. My issue was that Goodell never called out Kaepernick by name. He never called out Kaepernick. Who's, who's that? Who's, who's calling Kaepernick? I'm asking. According to the NFL, he doesn't exist anymore. Like, he's wiped out. Like they they wiped him from the history books. So then, what is you the, have to introduce? You have to so, introduce Colin Kaepernick to them. So then, so okay, okay. So then, what is Goodell talking about then? Because um, you're, you're you're solidifying you're solidifying my my disgust right now. Sure, sure. I want I want to build into it, but yeah, he doesn't exist. He's talking about the other player uh, that wore a seven jersey for the 49ers that had an afro and braid sometimes and would kneel before games that pissed everyone off but not Colin Kaepernick the other person surface level walker who's not in the league surface Mm -hmm. level walker from an optics this is great right right. yeah it makes me feel good Goodell said oh we got it wrong oh yeah okay see well see (laughs) here's a problem walker wait 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 wait. would you cut into that fillet and you see the pink the pink juicy interior that's what we need we need what that mean? I, I mean i'm saying the, the external the optics are good but we need that to sound cut. really gross but go ahead <laughs> we need to cut into that and we need to we need to know that make sure it's, it's some substance behind yes, it and yes. not just lip service i was all over the place with that but yeah let's get to okay. let's get to the real meat <laughs> right so um yeah i and disgust, disgust is a is a is an emotional term. Forgive me. I know it well, took a lot for Goodell. To, well, I know Goodell took. I know it took a lot for him to go out and say that. But you know, we know we know the at the epicenter of this whole movement that essentially he's acknowledging he doesn't feel good about. Started with Colin Kaepernick. Well, I guess my question for you, Gatry, is, yeah, we, I mean. Goodell can be the sacrificial lamb. He's the one taking all of the bullets. But is good has Goodell been the real issue or has it been the NFL owners? And what have they said? That's a really in regard to this whole issue because that's been the problem. That's they're not they're really, the ones who aren't interested in signing Kaepernick. That's a really Goodell good is point. is Goodell acts as a stand-in CEO, right? And those owners are shareholders. And if you know anything about a publicly traded company, the CEO works for the shareholders. Right. So Goodell can say anything he wants. He can't do anything to bring Cap back. He can he can echo all the sentiments he wants, but he's not able to do anything tangible for this situation. Until we start seeing the owners step up and say Black Lives Matter, and still until we see them step up and say we're going to do better by our players, uh nothing's really moving the needle as it pertains to the NFL. 
gotcha. That makes a lot of sense, Walker. You, you know, I don't like when you're right. I mean, it, it, it just it is what it, and I think that's why I, it was just a blip on my radar, and I kept it moving because I'm like, all right, but until Jerry Jones says it, then it's right. going to really mean something, right? Right. So you know, is the Houston Texas uh, owner? You know, you know, he has demonstrated high level of racism. Yeah. So he says it. Then it'll start really moving the needle because now people who are in positions of power to actually affect things really is actually gaining our attention. So, okay. Um, that's, you all, got? that's all I got to say about that. Um, my last topic, Walker, is just a little bit of entertainment fluff for you just to keep things light. Uh, did you hear about, uh, I'm not even going to put him on you because he's really my guy. Did you hear about my homeboy, Virgil? <laughs> um, no. What, what happened? Okay. <laughs> It's funny how the brain works. You're like, right, right. My so, person is I know exactly where you're going. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So uh Virgil, uh <laughs> Virgil Abloh, uh founder of uh Off White, uh also the chief creative designer for Louis Vuitton, as you sophisticated and, and future future founder of Off Black. Uh, for gantry <laughs> dude i've started off black merch development right now <laughs> well not a better time but no um he took to social media recently to um showcase and show off his donations to um to an organization that um, repurposes their donations to help bail out those who are peacefully protesting and so, I mean, this this all seems well and good, right? But um, y- your black Twitter friends, Walker, were outraged at the amount. Uh, $50. Dude, are we discuss? Uh, is the question still? Is yeah. the question still for me? Do we want to discuss or trash this? Trash. Okay. <laughs> all right, what you got, Walker? That's everything for me. I can't even defend this one. I can't even defend this. <laughs> who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Like when, said, you, when, when you mention it and I didn't know, and then my brain clicked to something I saw over this past weekend, I was like, okay, I know, I know what's coming. Right. So I had to I had to end with something lighthearted. So and I'm kind of glad you trashed it. Okay. Uh <laughs> you're welcome. So as we transition now, we're going to transition into what we call our shout outs and player of the week. We just want to shout out people who are doing dope things as well as identify those who have played themselves within the past week. Uh Gatry, would you like to go first? Sir? Absolutely. I'm going to keep it NFL Walker. You know I love these segues that we never orchestrate. Um uh Marquette King. Yes, sir. Do you know him, Walker? No. Okay. He um he was yeah he's no longer in the league, um but he was a punter for the then Oakland Raiders, uh, man of color by the way. Um he's known for whenever he would punt and they would pin somebody like within the twenty or the ten, he would do what is the equivalent of a touchdown celebration. He caught a he caught a lot of uh, cameras doing that. Um, but anyway, he has done something way more impactful. I believe he's from Phoenix, Arizona. And um, he he says, or not he says, but um, in a recent string of social media posts, he talks about how he watched, you know, the looting um, and rioting in Phoenix, who's have who who've had their own history of police police brutality, mind you. And um, he knew that that wasn't the way he wanted to protest or get his voice heard, if you will. 
So um, he just felt he just felt led to call up some friends of his and say, hey, man, I got some gloves. I got some trash bags. Let's go and clean up. And so um, he did this once with a few people. And, you know, as as things happen, people start to take notice. And what I love that Marquette King was able to kind of start or build was that this these efforts as the riots and the uh, looting continued, what developed from this was he would have police officers come in to help. He would have community leaders come in to help. And what happened was we, uh, they, they, they kind of evolved from not only picking up trash, but to even painting some buildings that were destroyed repairing things but the i guess the the meat or the gold of this is so many impactful conversations kind of like johnny was saying earlier were had between people who you would think are coming from opposing viewpoints having these productive conversations while serving so um this initiative has no name he is not really trying to publicize it he was just sharing on social media how this happened how this built I think Marquette King is dope for spearheading this event or spearheading this this uh, this cause, if you will. And um, he gets my uh, my shout out for the week. Dope, dope, dope. dope. Um, so my shout out goes to Dorothy Jean Tillman. Um, now. You know, interesting enough, the name Dorothy, you'd be expecting someone older, but no, Dorothy is 14 years old and is from Chicago. At the age of 14, Gatry, Dorothy has three college degrees. Um, she began taking high school courses at the age of nine. Stop playing, dude. And she recently earned her master's degree in environmental science and sustainable engineering from Unity College. Now, just to give you the 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 timeline, um, she, yeah, at the age, well, I'm sorry, at the age of eight, she began taking high school courses as part of a dual enrollment program. By the age of 10, she had earned an associate's degree in psychology from the College of Lake County and a bachelor's degree in liberal arts from, I believe it's Excelsior College two years later. And by the age of 14, she had earned her master's degree. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, outside of, of academics, she she wants to pursue a career in STEM, Um She's also working to bring to to bring STEM labs to underprivileged girls in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, this is a dope fourteen-year-old. I mean, you think about what fourteen-year-olds. I mean, I don't know what you was doing. I mean, I was pretty uh, into video games at that age and was just going through the motions of of high school at that point. Um, but at 14, she already has a plan, a vision, and is um, pretty much halfway there to fulfilling that. So I want to shout out Dorothy Jean Tillman, 14-year-old, changing the world, world changer. Not even sure what to say. That's just absolutely incredible. Just runs circles around the 14-year-old version of myself. Seriously, the uh, 37-year-old version of my current self. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just saying, bro. Just saying. <laughs> she got me beat too. I can't even front. Goodness. All right. Who we got now, oh. Walker? All right. Uh, who's played themselves? I guess we'll take out the trash. Um, I'm going to keep this local Walker. I know you've heard about this, so I won't ask you. I'm calling Michael Dykes, uh, owner of Parkside Cafe in Aven in the Avondale area. You've heard about this, I presume. I have not. Oh, okay. Well, color yourself in oh, light, yeah, sir. Yeah, turn it up. Turn <laughs> it up. Throw sauce on it. Make it fun. Go Walker, ahead. Your boy Michael Dykes, aka MD. Um, he sent he sent a series of texts to certain people that work for him at Parkside. And he, he had a lot to get off his chest, okay? So some of his thoughts in, included him believing George Floyd was a thug, and he thinks that um, everybody that's rallying around the whole George Floyd situation is tainted and evil for supporting a man who never did anything good, right? So he went, mm. he went as far as to say, I'm thinking of proposing a protest tax to uh, rebel against all those idiots who believe that tearing down the city is the right thing to do in this situation to support the thug that was George Floyd, right? So um, he also added in this series of text messages that if anyone uh, that works for him is caught protesting, they will be fired immediately. So um, one of one of his employees, you know, leaked out leaked this uh, screenshot to this text message out to social media and pleading for another job and saying that that i'm going to leave um so that's michael dykes you know he he's definitely playing himself there because um on social media you can see and it goes across the color spectrum to walker thousands of people saying won't eat there again won't eat there again won't even drive by there again right <laughs> Um, and and, and I'll the street had the, the street didn't have anything to do with this. <laughs> All streets matter, except that one. Except that one, right? <laughs> except the one Parkside's on. Um, no, um, yeah. So, so good, good point, Walker. I'll be honest. I, I have eaten there before. I thought the food was pretty good. It's been a while, but um, I don't think I'll be doing that. But Walker, this this player of the week, sorry sir, has two heads. Cause your homegirl's gotten involved, Walker. You know who I'm talking about. She she's probably in our Player of the Week Hall of Fame if we have one of those. Candace Owens. Oh. Candace oh, Owens. Yeah. Candace Owens. I, I, was, I was I was really going to ignore her. Jeez. I was really going we're, to ignore her. We're better ahead, off ignoring her, but since she's found her way into this, I felt like I should go ahead and throw her in. So she started a GoFundMe full support of Michael Dyke saying that it's, you know, everybody has a right to be conservative. Everybody has the right to go against the thugs that America seems uh, positioned to celebrate. So um, in, in, in light of that, Candace thought it'd be effective to start a GoFundMe, which at the time of this recording has raised over $145,000 um, to keep Parkside um, operational and to support their business interests. So um we got a long way to go, Walker, but uh, Michael Dykes, you and Candace Owens. Uh, Candace Owens has got our uh, turd green jacket for our uh, Player of the Week Hall of Fame. So um, you, she can show you how to get here. Uh, she's been here before. No, no news here. But um, that's all I got, Walker, on that. Yeah, there are just some people who are determined 
to be on the wrong side of history. And unfortunately, Candace Owens is one. And we have talked about her in the past. Um, she was on the uh, the Revolt Summit that they had, the panel that they had last year, I want to say, uh, that featured T.I., Killer Mike, Mika Mallory, uh, just to name a few. And the thing with her is that while there are certain points that she makes that are in, a, in and of themselves valid, you have to apply the broken clock theory to her because the broken clock is only right two times a day. And so even with that, it's just at the end of the day, she's broken. I don't know what's going on with her. And for you to go out of your true for you to go out of your way to to reinforce dangerous rhetoric like that is beyond me. So anyway, anyway, since we're talking about insensitivity, that brings me to my player of the week. And that is John McCall. Uh, John McCall is as we currently as currently i think he's still the chief of police for troy university well john got into a little bit of trouble this past week because like the previously mentioned people in your player of the week uh john mccall uh was out here caping against george floyd and was caping on behalf of the police officers so just to give you a snippet of some of the things that he posted. Okay. So he says, if you look at the facts, more white people are killed by police every year. Where is the media screaming about that? People die in police custody from time to time. Did the officer make a mistake? Yes. Does he regret it? Yes. Was he intentionally trying to kill George Floyd? I don't think so. But, but, but before you turn up, there's more. This is where it gets good. Did George Floyd play any role in his own death? In all caps, absolutely. He fought with the police who were trying to make a, law, a lawful, a lawful arrest. Okay. Um. Yeah. So later on, the university issued a statement. Uh, basically saying that they strongly condemn the inflammatory comments made recently on social media by Troy University Chief of Police John McCall and saying that he had been suspended while an investigation is underway. Now, Gat, I don't know what you got to investigate here, but um, (laughs) this guy pretty much said, if you're black and there's any unlawful arrest or there's any excessive force, you had to have done something to cause it. In fact, if I'm white, I should be angry with this guy. Why? Because he don't even care if white people get it. Anybody can get it as far as <laughs> according to this police chief. So for you to watch that video of George Floyd that I still have yet to watch and come away with it with some type of theory some type of concocted idea that George had Floyd had anything to do with that or deserved it in some way. I don't know what to say about you. There's clearly something tainted and corrupt within your heart. If you can actually say that publicly, of course he removed the, the, uh, the, I guess this is, I guess this is Facebook. He's on, uh, he of course removed that post, but you know, screenshots is, is, is everything in these days. Um, 
and it's on AL.com. Yeah. So uh, he's been suspended. Uh, Troy, I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know if uh, if the COVID-19 has everything backed up, but he should be fired by now. I don't know what else you got to investigate. You don't need a guy like that as chief of police of your campus with ideals like that. Because no. no one should feel safe on your campus. No. Especially black people. And uh we have a friend, you and I have a mutual friend. I grew up watching him as a kid. He actually used to come on TV on Sundays. Uh, he's Ren from the Ren and Stimpy show. He has a few ideas about uh, these, this post and this rhetoric from John McCall. You idiots! <laughs> That's it. <sighs> okay. Unreal. These people, these people own one, man. Unreal. <laughs> they are on one. Wow. Okay. Speechless, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have absolutely nothing to contribute <laughs> after that. I mean, nothing. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, Walker's word for the week. Um. Let's stop fighting each other that's it that's all i got let's let's for once work on having a conversation mm. with one another and nothing deep we should be tired of fighting at this point it should it's exhausting i don't know if you've ever fought anyone yet but it's exhausting after a while you just want to just go somewhere and sit down with a glass of water and just reflect <laughs> It's less exhausting to have a conversation than it is to fight. Mm. That's all I got. Gotcha. The doors of the Tipping Point podcast are open. Let us stand. May the Lord watch between thee and the Tipping Point pod while we're absent one from another. Go in peace. Be safe. Stand up for justice. Let's come together. And thanks for tuning in. This is the Tipping Point podcast. Have a great week. Mm.